We got a lot of coffee today. to the Apple Store to try the keyboard. I just dropped a proof of our homework into the show notes. Oh, why did I think to do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have stopped by one lunchtime or something. We, we went there to try the 2018 um, MacBook Pros. Oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Good idea. Good <laughs> idea. It's not a big difference. I like the old one better. I don't know if it was just like me being weird when I started typing on it, but somehow I felt like I put a lot more strain on my hand while typing. And I'm not sure if it's because it's softer and I like, it's less of a travel and it's like, I'm sort of like holding my fingers in a different position because of that. But somehow it felt like um, just about above my like knuckles, it was hurting a bit. Are the keys harder to press? A little bit. I'd say no. I would say it's a little bit harder, but they also travel less. So it just feels very different. Okay. I would disagree with both. Uh, f for me, it actually felt better, if anything, but it's so close that it doesn't really matter. Like, if you if you like the 2017, you'll probably be fine with the 2018. If you hated the 2017, you probably won't love the 2018. Yeah, it's not like, oh, I wouldn't buy this one because I love the keyboard on the 2017. It's not that big of a difference. But just if I have a like direct comparison, I think 2018 was... No, 2017 was nicer for me. But okay. I also don't feel like... I mean, it was super loud in the Apple Store, but I didn't hear much of a difference on it. I, I feel like it's more of a progression. If you if you try the 2016 and then the 2017, the 2018 is kind of a progression from there. So they're a bit less clicky, a bit... I don't know, the sound makes it feel a bit more... I feel like the 2016 felt a bit very clicky. It felt plasticky clicky. Um, so now it's... I would say the volume is about the same, but it might be like lower frequencies. It feels a bit more more sturdy heavier it just feels a bit more I've, to me it feels and sounds a bit more premium and less flimsy yeah, it felt like a bit more con con like controlled clicking i guess yeah it sounds very much like the change from the 2016 to the 2017 like if you had described the change exactly the same i'd say oh, yeah, it's it's true yeah because i actually quite like the, the 2016 but it is very clicky and the keys do feel cheap yeah that's not the case with the 2017, but it's almost nicer to type on the 2016. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Until something goes wrong. So, back to back back to MacBooks. I was kind of looking into my my different options um, with like the new the new MacBooks coming out and and um, me preferring desktop computers. So I was just kind of going through my my options. Um, and I kind of I kind of saw three potential options: the MacBook Pro 13 inch with Touch Bar, the MacBook Pro 15 inch, uh, and a iMac with 27 inch. So I looked into those uh, three options, and um, so what I what I knew after using this kind of uh, the the MacBook Escape for how long have I used this now? Four months, five months, or something like that. 
Um, I knew I needed 16, at least 16 gigs of RAM. Um, and I wanted something with a bit f- faster CPU. So the escape is kind of in the very bottom. Um, and I know it's for anything that I want to use as a main computer, I need something that, that has more more horse, horsepower than this. Um, so I looked at the uh, Pro 13-inch with touch bar uh, with 16 gigs of RAM, 512 uh, gig SSD, um, which in Canada would uh, be $2,889. And then I would also uh, obviously want like some larger larger screen. So uh, the LG Ultrafine 5K, uh, I think is 1700 here. So it would come to a total of 4589 um, Then the, the MacBook Pro 15-inch, uh, comes already with 16 gigs of RAM. Um, would also upgrade that to the 512 SSD. Uh, so you, uh, and the base level uh, i5 CPU. We would look at 3,439, which is 5,139 with the uh, ultra fine 5K. And if I compare it to the to the 27 inch iMac, the 27 inch iMac with a th- uh, 3.5 gigahertz i5. 16 gigs of RAM, and that even means I pay Apple for their premium RAM prices instead of just replacing it myself. The N to 512 uh, gig SSD is 3,249, which is cheaper than, than the MacBook Pro 15 inch without a screen, which is quite a price difference. And it already comes with a tw- 27 inch uh, 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 monitor. So I think for me, after after going through all my MacBook options for so long, it's actually cheaper to get the 27-inch iMac. I mean, I wouldn't buy it now because you can't buy a non-iMac Pro at the moment because you sh- they probably update, hopefully update the iMacs anytime soon now. Um, but as soon as the update happens, I just jump onto the 27-inch iMac and keep the MacBook Escape as I, that I have at the moment. Um, for any kind of travel or coffee shop work. Um, and I'm still cheaper. And overall, I have a way better computer for whenever, I mean, 90% of my time I would spend working from home. So I'm. it's cheaper, way more powerful, way quieter, probably less uh, throttling uh, when, when actually using the CPUs. And I get a better GPU. So I think that's that's where I landed now. So just waiting for for Apple to release new iMacs. I was getting worried there. I thought you were going to say you were going for a MacBook Pro 15 inch, and I was I was preparing myself to talk you out of it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't know. I feel like this is also quite an annoying situation to be in because now you have to wait for the iMac because it really doesn't make sense to buy the iMac that's out at the moment because it's something that they will release very soon. But you're still stuck with this computer that you don't really like. That's too slow for what you what you're doing, and you're working from home most of the time. It's not like you're at coffee shops every day and working mm. there every day. So it is an annoying situation to be in. But now I'm kind of in the situation a lot of uh, Apple fans are for a long time, thinking that Apple will update uh, a computer soon, mm. just waiting for it to happen and then jump onto it. And if I'm lucky, I'll actually be able to do that soon. Yeah, or, you, you joined the Mac, Mac Pro fan club. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it will be that bad. Um, and I'm super excited because uh, we probably see the, the, 
the new generation Intel chips in those iMacs as well. So I'll probably get like a six six core uh, iMac for. I mean, usually the prices don't change too much. So just over three thousand dollars for for six core iMac, and then having the the escape for for anything else. I think that's that's a pretty good option. And I, I started pricing out the iMac Pro in comparison, but it was just ridiculous. So then I also looked into options. So if I ever need like more GPU, I, I looked into eGPUs, and even that would still be a lot cheaper. So I can just add that to the iMac if I really need to later. The prices you've got here, you've also written 16 gigs of RAM next to it. Is that including a third-party upgrade to 32 gigs of RAM? Or is that just the, the price of the base model from Apple? No, for for uh, the iMac, that's just if you would pay Apple for the 16 gigs of RAM, which means if you if you upgrade it yourself, you can probably get 32 gigs of RAM for the same price. So I would I would do that just for like my kind of fair price comparison. I just thought if I if I get the 16 gigs of RAM for the MacBook Pro, I also just uh, in in the price comparison here add 16 gigs of RAM from from Apple. Okay, yeah, knowing you, the 30, sorry, the 16 wouldn't be enough. Yeah, I would, I would probably go, I would probably go with a 32, but it would be the same price as the 16 if you pay it. I think Apple charges 300, roughly 300 for, for the uh, upgrade to 16 gigs of RAM. And for 320 or so, uh, you can get 32 gigs of RAM from a third party. So you, you actually think you won't go with the iMac Pro? Hmm. Yeah, I had a look. I mean, it kind of depends. Um, I think for... It depends on the next upgrade. I think the next... Uh, if Apple puts in those 8th generation Intel processors into the iMac Pro, um, we get quite a long way towards the performance of the iMac Pro. I, I wouldn't get like one of the, the crazy spec iMac Pros anyway. Um, but if we're looking at like the base model uh, iMac Pro, I think the next generation Intel chips are getting pretty pretty close to to that performance. You lose ECC RAM, um, but I think I can I can live without that. Um, the only other thing I really like about the iMac Pro is the the new cooling solution. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. It's hard to. To, to make a purchasing decision before knowing the actual update and the actual iMac that's coming out. But just from what I expect to see, assuming we see the same iMac that we have at the moment, just with the newer Intel chips, probably small GPU bump, I'd be more than happy to, to live with the small compromises. I'm trying to compare it in the price range of the, uh, the MacBook Pros. Yeah, uh, I think that's a healthy healthy sort of angle to look at it from because I think otherwise if you're only looking at getting the iMac instead of comparing it to a MacBook you might just compare it to the uh, to the iMac Pro and then I think you sort of feel like ah maybe I should just take that extra stretch and pay the extra money and I think that then it can get really really expensive but if you see this more as an upgrade from a MacBook I think you get the performance improvement that you want and it's still a really good price compared to the Pro. I have a feeling that you might be very interested in buying the Pro machine once we know more about this. Um, but yeah, I think an iMac would be enough for you. My money is still on Kai ending up with a Pro and a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really bad time. It's just a really bad time 
to buy an iMac Pro right now, just yeah, because it's it's been on the market for quite a while. If I really, if I wanted to iMac Pro, I should have bought it uh, basically on on the day it was released. I don't really like buying like a week after release. I already think it's too late to buy an buy an Apple product. But don't you think they might release an iMac Pro when they release a new iMac? Um, no, I don't no? think so. I'm so not if, expecting okay. that. If they would, would that make your decision more difficult yes (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's the situation i can imagine us being in so um they release both of them at the same time or at least a a spec update to the imac pro and then i think it will be a lot harder of a decision to make i I don't think there are any new new xeon cpus coming out in that time though so i don't think we will i'll have that problem what i can see myself doing is um whenever the the new mac pro coming is coming out potentially going to that if apple again releases a proper 5k 8k whatever monitor um with with the mac pro i could consider getting rid of the imac get a mac pro and then keeping some smaller 13 inch uh, macbook pro for for kind of on the road work i think that is that is a reasonable option that i can see myself going because i i really like desktop computers i'm not a big fan of of laptops um, and I, I just want the the most flexible, most quiet um, desktop computer I can get. And at the moment, that is probably the iMac Pro, but iMac Pro is kind of having other compromises. Um, so I think the iMac is a really good machine to to bridge the time until we know what the Mac Pro looks like. So the other thing that you've put here in the notes uh, that's interesting is you'd be looking at a 512 gigabyte ssd um i mean as your main computer that's not a lot of storage so i'm guessing you'd also be looking into some kind of cloud storage options i mean in general um a lot of that so the cloud storage was actually part of the reasons why i considered any other macbooks um because i would say that the cloud storage was sort of what drove you to wanting to change computer yeah. So what happened is uh, running on this um, 2017 uh, MacBook Escape, I had Dropbox running. And it seems like Dropbox does some crazy stuff where they're trying to listen to any activity on the file system, even if it's outside of the Dropbox folder, um, and uh, consume, at least in my case, whenever I did anything that's uh, I.O. heavy, I had uh, the Dropbox... Um, client using 100% CPU, so I thought there was something seriously wrong with my uh, my MacBook because it was constantly on 100% uh, CPU and was the fans were in full volume, and I ran through through the battery in two hours and I couldn't figure out why um, until I, I, I started digging into um, activity monitor and noticed that. I don't know, over the last few weeks, I must have done a lot of I.O.-heavy operations, like even just downloading anything from the network. Dropbox would constantly run on, on 100% CPU. Um, so after, after then um, just killing the Dropbox app, the, the 13-inch MacBook Pro Escape actually got somewhat uh, usable for me again. Um, so a lot of the hate on on that machine from from a few weeks ago is actually slightly slightly uh, uh, lower now because it seems to have all come down to 
to the Dropbox client going crazy. And it seems like a few people have that problem, but uh, the only the only uh, uh, suggestion I've seen from uh, in the Dropbox forums were either to get rid of all the sim links in your folder. I don't have any sim links in my Dropbox folder, or to downgrade from the beta to the to the release client, which I've done in response to that uh, post, and it. I still see the exact same thing. Anytime I, I copy any large files, download anything from the network, even sometimes when I'm, I don't know if it's Safari writing things into the cache, even when, when browsing the web, sometimes Dropbox would just go uh, and use 50 to 100% CPU. And then I obviously, as a result of that, had to find a, a different cloud storage uh, option. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't used Dropbox on any computer in a while, but... Uh, the two I have used semi recently, Google Drive and OneDrive, are both pretty good. Um, I mean, I've, I'm running oh, my computer's what the model before yours, so it'll be slightly slower in general, um, and have never had any any slowdowns or anything as a result of of either of those uh, syncing services. Um, I think iCloud's probably more problematic than, than <laughs> OneDrive these days. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I mean, it, it sounds like a, a Dropbox problem. Yeah. I'm surprised that it's not more people having this problem or people are just not noticing that they have this problem. I don't really know what's... I don't know. I'm not sure. Do people usually have their Dropbox things running all the time now? Maybe it's something like that. People just... No, usually you would want to have... The the way most people would use Dropbox is that it's just a folder on your system that always syncs. So I don't see people turning the the client on and off on demand. Did you restart? uh, Did you just delete Dropbox from your computer now or did you try reinstalling it in between? I tried clearing all the preferences, removing it, uh, downloading. Because I downgraded from the beta to the regular client, Mm -hmm. I, I cleared the preferences... Uh, removed the beta it? client, installed the uh, the um, the stable release client, and still same issue. Yeah, and then I went kind of into a uh, trying all the different cloud options. So I had a look at uh, Apple's iCloud uh, uh, option. I had a look at Box, OneDrive, and Google Drive. I also briefly looked into some of the others, but I kind of got tired after after trying that many clients and I didn't want to cause any new issues from installing any client that does anything weird with current extensions or anything like that so I thought sticking to any of the of the more well-known that people seem to use on a Mac is, is my safer bet considering that I already had with with the largest one I already had issues that no one seemed to know how how to fix I figured stay, staying with any of the bigger ones is probably a safer bet and iCloud Drive in general is is I kind of like that it's built into a system, pricing is fair, but you don't have uh, the ability to share to, to share folders. And I sometimes have uh, weird issues. I don't know, Zach, do you have issues with um, uh, merging changes between multiple computers or when you work offline and you go back online? Uh, very, very rarely. Um, nothing that's ever been catastrophic, uh, but I do notice sometimes it's slow to sync uh, or that it would just sort of be stuck on a particular file for way too long and have to restart the computer. Um, I mean, none of those issues sort of happen with the other syncing services that seem to be a bit more thorough. Mm. Um, but really, really where iCloud falls down, as you mentioned, is not being able to share folders. That is <laughs> seems like such an oversight right now. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Um, but it, it's really a pain. Yeah, yeah like we, we notice it now. We'd love to share our documents for, for this podcast on iCloud. Yeah. Um, but... 
the solution at the moment is to share individual files with each other uh, because we can't we can't share a folder. It's such a mess. Yeah. And then when I wanna when you wanna find one of the files that we shared earlier, you would think that it's just like in your iCloud or like if it's if it's a pages document, it, it is in the pages doc, it is in the pages folder. But often when we share like actual um, audio files, I just can't find them in iCloud. It's very it's it's not really easy to search there. So if you have all those empty all those um, documents just sitting around, it's really hard to find them. Um, and because it's uh, it's file levels syncing or sharing and not folder, you can't really have a structure around the files. I know. So I, I like to just have a folder that we call SoCast, mm. and then we put some kind of structure in by episode title or episode number. And then we can share that and everyone can organize around that. But yeah. now we share individual files that you then have to manual. All three of us have to do organization work three times. But I couldn't even move one of mine. I created my own folder structure in iCloud and I want to move it around. And one of the audio files that we shared early on wasn't even movable. I couldn't move it into a different folder. Maybe that was that specific file um, and I, or I did something wrong. Have you guys experienced this too? Look, firstly, I doubt it was you doing something wrong with iCloud. It's, <laughs> it's almost always iCloud's fault. <laughs> um, I haven't had those super weird issues. I have had, um, actually, the, remember when we were sharing uh, Keynote documents, Marlon, uh, there would be times where I'm like, yeah, I've put my changes there and you couldn't find them. Mm. And they just, on my computer, it was like, oh, yeah, they're there, definitely. Um, and on yours, they were non-existent. Yeah. Um, and it was only after logging into the web interface that I realized, oh, my changes actually didn't sync. Yeah. Um, so yeah, iCloud does have a lot of issues around shared documents and shared files and not shared folders because they don't do those. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a strange system. <laughs> well, that's one way of eliminating a problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I also, I tried to stress test iCloud, um, oh. iCloud Drive with just having my Xcode project in 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 iCloud Drive and then working from that for, for about a day. And just in that one day, I, I had files that reverted back to previous revisions randomly and some files that would kind of ask me, hey, which version do you want to want? The one from one twelve p.m. or the one from one twelve p.m.? And things like that. So, I was But I also think that you even tried to sync everything that we had related to podcasting to upload that to iCloud. And it took a significantly longer time than uploading it to Google Drive. Mm. Do you know how much data you were trying to upload? I mean, the, the total data was, I think, three gigabytes. But uh, the problem wasn't really... So the large files uh, sync quite quickly but then there were some small files there was like it said in the end uh trying to upload 57 of 57 kilobytes uh i'm 57 kilobyte in and it would just be stuck there for mm. for a day and i restarted the mac even now i still have now we're at 196 kilobyte of 100 uh, no 896 kilobyte of 896 uploading two files and it's been stuck there for days i restarted the mac i killed the finder Nothing seems to to fix that. Anyway, so that was that was uh, kind of disqualifying iCloud from from a Dropbox replacement for me. Uh, so I looked into uh, Box Next. Um, Box seemed alright, but for us it didn't really work because they had a, a two hundred fifty megabyte file limit. So for some of our recordings, they're way bigger than that. Uh, so it just 
throw really strange errors when when you hit the um, the file limit uh, and didn't really I don't know you just get a whole bunch of console log uh, output that you exceeded a file limit so I didn't want to uh, do any more of that I I could have that file limit restriction is going away as soon as you're um, paying for it but I, I if I couldn't even try it. Uh, I I thought it's probably not worth spending more time on that for now until I I thought if all the other options would be horrible I might come back to it but um that didn't happen then I tried OneDrive uh OneDrive was fine syncing worked all right they had some weird restrictions we had socast initially with a with an ellipsis after the so um but you can have folder names that end with uh two periods or file names that start with a space so how it had a whole bunch of weird restrictions on on how files and folders needed to be named um and i i just didn't want to have to change so i i just copied a folder that we used to have in dropbox over in that in into into uh, onedrive and it complained i was like okay not really what i wanted to do i just wanted to take whatever i give it and then uploaded and and shared with with two other people i didn't want to change my folder structure or my naming conventions uh, to place OneDrive. um i also looked into their pricing model it was all right it's at least here it's 299 canadian dollars uh, for 50 gigs uh a month which is fine but then um if you want any more than 50 gigabytes uh, you have to go they try to push their hey you can do the office home offers private plans and then you get all the office stuff plus one terabyte or five terabyte, which is a lot, but I didn't really want to pay for for office applications, which I wouldn't use anyway. So it just feels like Microsoft trying to push their package rather than their cloud storage. Uh, so I moved on from that. Um, you're using OneDrive stack, right? Yeah, exclusively for uni stuff. Um, but yeah, I do go between multiple computers and an iPad for all my uni work mm-hmm. and it works pretty flawlessly uh, I found the folder or file naming things are a bit of an issue I mean sometimes I have to download a PDF that's got a forward slash in there or a hyphen or something like that and it really doesn't like those uh, and it throws errors and complains until you change it yep. uh, but that's about the only issue I've had uh, very occasionally, it seems to be a bit confused about what version of the document is the latest. Um, <laughs> fortunately, it doesn't lose anything. It just renames one of them with the time. Uh, so I'll have to delete that. But that's, again, not a major issue. Uh, I think something like iCloud would try and be smart about that and delete the one that it thought was uh, not as current. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather have the control of being able to choose which one to keep and which to delete. Uh, so even then, I mean, I'm not really complaining about that. Yeah, I had the same thing with in OneDrive with Xcode project where it then had source files and just appended the the current timestamp, and it's fine. But it's still coming from Dropbox. Dropbox was rock solid, and I was trying to find something that would be a good replacement without killing the the CPU. Um, so next, I tried uh, Google Drive. And Google Drive uh, gives you 15 gigabytes of data for free uh, if you sign up. And then they had some promotions throughout the time where, where you can get extra data, similar to what Dropbox had. Um, and uh, so far, I couldn't find any file size limit or file name restrictions. And 
what I kind of liked about uh, Google Drive is also that it allows you to use multiple accounts at the same time. So I now use a separate account for my personal stuff and another one that we use for, for the podcast. And just you just have two cloud icons in your menu bar um, and you can see the status of each of those those accounts and how much storage you used for those. Um, and another thing I really liked about uh, Google Drive um, is that the, the storage you're using, only the ones that you uploaded count against your storage. So if we share a folder and I upload the audio that I recorded, Marlon uploads her audio and you use you upload yours, only my audio uh, counts for, for against my storage, only Marlon's for Marlon and yours for yours. So we essentially have, just with a free plan alone, we already have 45 gigabytes of data we can use. And if you happen to upload something that's that's 14 gigabytes uh, uh, in size, it doesn't uh, completely um, uh, choose through our Marlin or my data allowance, uh, which is the, the kind of model that Dropbox used to use. Um, so that was pretty nice. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan in general of getting all my data data to google but so far i've not had any issues with uh with versioning i didn't have uh anything reverting back to an older version or any conflict even with an xcode project it seems to work nicely with google docs which we're now using for show notes it seems to uh, uh allow us to share the folders and being relatively uh um quick to sync it seems to not do kind of block level syncing so if there's a change to a file it uploads the entire file rather than only uploading the divs. That's what Dropbox uh, usually does. So if there's only a certain part of the file that changed, Dropbox will only upload that. Uh, Google Drive seems to upload the entire file again. But considering that that works and seems to not chew through my CPU if anything outside of the folder happens, I was quite happy with that. I was wondering, you mentioned that um, one of the benefits with this is that you can have different accounts um, at the same time or you can separate it into owners um, do you still have to does those both of your accounts your personal and the one that you have for other things are they paid for as one account or do you still have to pay per plan if you would want to upgrade no you, that means they're they're run essentially as completely separate accounts for everything so i have one i have one google drive folder that's called uh, that ha- is uh, my gmail account and one that I use through um, uh, Google Apps, so my, my kind of uh, domain that's managed by Google. And they're completely separate. I can upgrade only the, the Gmail one or only the, the business one or both separately and pay twice. Um, right. But they're running completely as separate things. Okay. Did you mention to me earlier that um, the storage that you get for uh, Google Drive also includes all your email in the storage plan? That, yeah, that is right. So that, that is, could be a potential limitation. So if you add up one more file, that might limit you from accessing, from retrieving more emails or sending more. Mail. I didn't run into that yet, so I don't know what actually happens when you run out of storage. Uh, but it's one of the reasons why I wanted to separate that. I didn't want to upload like a larger file for for the podcast and then potentially having a mailbox that's full. Um, so I will. I will report back as yeah. soon as I run into that issue. But um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what actually happens if it throws a warning when you're almost there, because it would suck if you just stop receiving emails and you don't know why. It's just because you run out of storage. Mm. So 
I assume Google would handle that in some way, but it's still interesting to interesting to know what actually is mm. happening for you. Yeah, and I also Maybe, tried. Um, they can't really send you an email about. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happens about that. That's, but considering that, that was kind of the, from a technical perspective, that was the only limitation I thought was kind of weird. Um, um, I think that's the one I will go with for now. I also tried to run um, the Dropbox client, Box, OneDrive, and Google Drive all simultaneously while. Um, uh, copying Xcode or ex, um, uh, expanding one of the Xcode archives uh, and the CPU uh, usage of um, Google Drive, OneDrive and Box was somewhere around zero, around 1% or something, whatever the idle, idle usage percentage is. Dropbox went up to 100% almost instantly. I killed Dropbox and then the others, the, all the others behaved. So no matter what, all the others didn't I didn't see the same issue I had with Dropbox, um, but overall, during this kind of, I, I roughly spent um, one day with each of the different solutions, and so far, Google Drive was the one that caused the fewest issues, and that also has a decent way of expanding. So if we're if we're getting to episode one hundred, we can still pay for enough storage to have all of that in there. Did the invasiveness of Google Drive bother you at all? Uh, you mean the app or Google as a company? The app, so I I tried to set it up for what we've done, we'll go ah, what we've got for the podcast, um, and the first thing it wants to do is upload you know all forty gigabytes of my documents folder, my desktop, uh, and my photo library, and I like I'm downloading a, a cloud syncing thing. I want you to sync the files I've got in Google Drive, and I don't want you to touch anything else. Um, or at least that's my thought behind it, and so I've actually remove the app from my computer and I'm going to stick with the web interface. Um, I mean, the podcast is the only thing I'm using Google Drive for, so I think that'll work okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm wondering if that at all bothered you. I mean, first of all, I kind of treat it more like uh, iCloud Drive. iCloud Drive also asks you, hey, do you want to upload everything to iCloud Drive? And you'd say no once and then then I won't bother you again. And that's kind of what what I would do with Google Drive. Just uncheck all the checkboxes next to uh, your documents folder and i uh, and um your photos and then then you only sync to one folder which is your google drive folder um there's another option if i don't know if it definitely works for any of the uh, business accounts i don't know if it works for your personal ones um they have a, a file stream app which does exactly what you would want just just cares about the files in your in your google drive folder and nothing else yeah, I saw that one. It gave me the option to download, but it did have a big business banner right next to it, so I, I didn't. Um, but I might have to check that out instead. Uh, I just wasn't a fan of of them wanting all my documents up front. Uh, I think with iCloud, it's a little bit different because that is, that's the system that's built into the operating system that you're using. Um, so I do kind of, you know, I'm okay with being prompted there. Uh, and then there's also, you know, if you if you opt out, are they still sort of, looking at your files somehow and you know even just looking at the folder structure or whatever and i don't know it all felt a little bit too invasive when all i want is something that syncs a single folder in on my computer and, and that's it. it it appears to to not monitor those folders at least there's no uh increased cpu activity if if anything happens in those folders okay so for for at least it seems to me if you just uncheck those boxes, it will not bother you and just do what exactly what you want. One folder, sync everything in that folder and leave everything else alone. 
Okay, that's somewhat reassuring. Yeah, so which one did you end up going with for your personal stuff? Everything is in Google I'm Drive? at the moment running Google Drive as an experiment for everything. Um, I might report back in, in, a, in a week or two if, if I ran into other, any other issues. Um, but so far it seems to do exactly what I want. And it works quite nicely because we, we use like Google Docs for our, our show notes so we can put them in the, in the folder and everything is nicely organized. Cool. Have either of you installed iOS 12? I ask this again. <laughs> um, I haven't. I thought you did. You downloaded it, right? I, download, I installed the beta profile, I downloaded it, and then um, I saw on Twitter somewhere that someone said that the pictures... <laughs> this sounds like a very <laughs> legit source. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why. This year I'm very easily scared of betas. I don't know. I've, I didn't really have bad experiences before with any of the betas. A lot of people complain about what kind of horrible experiences they had with their betas. I haven't. I, I have a lot of issues with iOS um, 11, but for some reason I'm, I'm, I still haven't updated. I'm going to fly to Vancouver, hit the install button and come back. <laughs> I, I installed a beta profile. I, I downloaded uh, beta 4, but I haven't hit the install button yet. I don't know what I'm waiting for. I told myself I will do it again today. We'll see. We'll see if I get there. How about you, Marlin? No, I haven't. But I'm also not... I'm never really comfortable installing betas. Uh, I don't think this is an outstanding pattern for me. I think it's more surprising that you haven't done it yet, Kai, because you can't. You tend to be quite trigger-happy with those things. So I am surprised that you haven't done it. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's very surprising. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I haven't done it for reasons too, and I think I'm relying on my on my phone a lot. I think everyone always advises you not to do it on your main phone, and yada, yada, yada. But to be fair, Kai's working from home at the moment. He doesn't <laughs> need a phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just someone someone said the, the picture quality with iOS 12 is a lot worse on iPhone 10. I was like, all right, I'll wait. <laughs> that was for beta 3. I don't know if, if it improved... But it's, I took a lot of nice pictures. Yeah, especially now when we just moved. There's so many, I mean, Zach, you've seen all our pictures. There's so many nice mountains and nice nature and bear signs to take pictures of. So we have to have good quality of those bear signs. There are even a few palm tree pictures. I know. There are, you, did you know there are palm trees in Vancouver? Who would have thought? You might have mentioned it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I haven't installed it like... Um, as usual, uh, but I was actually planning on doing it this weekend um, just because I want to experiment with it. I did see. Uh, I'm very interested at getting um, at getting screen time, the screen time features, and I think that would be a very interesting insight to my day. So I'm tempted to do it. Uh, so I probably end up doing it quite soon, sooner than I usually do it. So I guess this means that neither of you have created your own memoji. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you. I'm surprised you haven't sent us your Memoji. I think Kai is probably quite happy that you haven't because I think you think they are quite creepy. Um, but yeah, why haven't why haven't you created one? Um, I have an iPhone 7. We can't do Memoji. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you need the, the front camera sensor thing. Ah, I forgot <laughs> that you... I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, I have a home button that makes up for it. I don't miss the home button. I don't miss the fingerprint because I 
it wasn't working very well for me. Um, yeah. I would have sent you a lot of emojis if I if I could. Don't worry. <laughs> Good thing you don't have an iPhone ten. <laughs> I um I had first group FaceTime call with someone on an iPhone. 10 running iOS 12 and they had a Memoji as their head and it was weird. It was very weird. Well, who would have thought? That's a weird <laughs> thing. Why didn't they, they? They could have seen that coming, right? So I think uh, that call was actually the day after World Emoji Day, which was earlier this week. Um, yeah. And I kind of want to mention, uh, I don't know if either of you saw the leadership page on apple.com, which has yeah, I have. Uh, you yeah. know, a list of the dozen or so executives uh, of Apple. Yep. They all updated their portraits. I don't think it's up anymore. Oh, yeah, they've probably taken it down. I don't think it's up anymore. So if you go now, that's hard to see. But there are some, I mean, a lot of people took pictures of them and uploaded them on Twitter. So you could easily Google for it and find it. Um, but yeah, it was a clever idea. I give them that. I think it was quite cute that they like went in on that. And I think um, it showed some like personality in Apple. It was like, look, we made this cool thing. And um I, I quite appreciated that they did that. Uh, I did think some of them ha- them choose choose a really weird skin color for themselves, yeah. right? Yeah, it looked uh, like vampires. Yeah, so like I think especially Craig Federici, he was really pale in comparison to his neck. Uh, maybe it's because <laughs> of the picture, um, because you see a bit of like his shin is basically giving a shadow on his neck um, if you're looking at his real picture, and because of that, the, the Mimuji face was really white, and then his neck looked really dark in comparison. But it was really quite strange. I don't know. I feel like they could have reviewed it and then maybe edited their color, face colors before uploading. Do you have a favorite? I I quite liked um, Johnny Ive. Yep. Same here. I mean, it was so similar to his actual picture, and I really liked that he wasn't <laughs> smiling in it. I can't tell the difference. I know. And he also had those like really big round eyes, and I think it fit quite well with how he actually looks like. I'm just glad to see they left the background white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we found it. So yeah, Craig Federici has like a really, really white, pale face. Um, who's your favorite, Zach? Yeah, I would agree with with Johnny Ive. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Phil Schiller almost looks like a rock star, uh, interestingly enough. Um, yeah. Angela Arendt, as fashionable as always. These, these yeah. do a good job of portraying uh, the person behind them. Tim Cook doesn't... It doesn't really look like him. Yeah, there's a few that I sort of go, oh, it doesn't really look like them. Yeah, I wouldn't have... I, I don't think... If you would have showed me uh, Craig's Memoji out of context, I don't think I would have recognized who that's supposed to be. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm looking at Phil Schiller now. It's a really good picture. He looks like a... It's very um, beach boy, yeah. surfer guy. It's a pretty good Memoji. So Californian. Yeah, I would say probably for me it's Angela Irons or Phil Schiller. Yeah, I still like Johnny Ive. There were also some more uh, emojis being released. I didn't look at the whole list, but I know that there were a lot more skin colors and a lot more hair colors, um, or just combination of hair and skin colors. So that's quite good, I think. I think it's good to have some more representation. There are more... Um, I don't think we ever had any emojis with um, red hair before, but they added that now, so that's quite good. Yeah, definitely. I think it's great to see all the new emojis. Um I'm hoping that means at some point soon we'll get emoji search. Just there's so many of them now and 
it can get yeah. really difficult to find the specific one you want. Um, and also I'm wondering, is this the, the earliest that Apple have announced their emoji? I mean, I know normally they ship with, you know, the X.1 update uh, at, the end of, at the end of the year, uh, and they usually will announce it around September. But I think, is July the earliest they've announced new emoji for, mm. that are coming later that year? Yeah, it does, sound, it does sound quite early. I'm honestly not that up to date with when they usually release them. But you're right, they usually release it with a version. So that is quite early. Yeah, because it tends to be, oh, I mean, the, the new spec from uh, Emoji Consortium, is it? Um, get released around this time and uh, then we get a preview. I think it's usually around September or October yeah, when the first beta of, right. of the X.1 update uh, comes out. But hmm. I could be wrong. I basically use the same five emojis. I think <laughs> I'm I'm not much of an emoji expert. I started following this uh, this bot on Twitter, and it's called Least Used Emoji Bot. I think I'm just getting it up. Yeah, it's called the Least Used Emoji Bot, and every day it tweets with the least used emoji. And for the last 77 days, as we record, the aerial tramway has been the least used emoji. And I'm guessing it's just looking at tweets. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's looking at emojitracker.com, which which is analyzing tweets um, and looking at the most used and stuff. That makes sense that you wouldn't have an aerial tram uh, tramway because it's in the middle of the summer. So I wonder maybe it's not going to be it's it's going to be a lot more used in the winter. I'm I'm rooting I'm rooting for this uh, for this emoji. I think it will be popular soon. Yeah, clever. Hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. Are you forgetting that it's winter in some places still? Yeah, but you can't ski in that many places in Australia. Yeah. And at the places you would be able to ski, I know I know, I will offend someone, but at the places you would be able to ski, it wouldn't be any receptions. You could <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with you there. <laughs> also, most of the world where you would ski, is it's summer at the moment. Australia is not a world-renowned... Oh, North American center of the universe... <laughs> Australia, no matter what, you, you can tell me that Australia is a world-renowned ski resort. I have never heard anyone, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to Australia this year for skiing. You have Threadbow, come on. <laughs> Mutual friend Pat Murray is there like every weekend. I lived in that country for five years. I've never heard those noises you just made before. <laughs> Threadbow or Pat Murray or skiing? <laughs> the first one. Oh, man. Don't worry, to be fair, I've never been there in many years of living here, or my whole life. I've never met an Australian that went skiing in Australia. I met Australian skiing ben. in Australia, but that's, that's the only people who I heard skiing in Australia. Yeah, but even that is a super small section of Australian. You can ski in New Zealand, right? That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you offended the people I didn't already offend. <laughs> What do you reckon the uh, the most popular emoji is at the moment? Can't it just be like a simple smiley yeah, face? Yeah, probably. Like smiling face with smiling eyes. It's actually the, the face with tears of joy. Oh, really? Yeah, followed by the love heart. <laughs> <laughs> what are they so joyful for? <laughs> and then the recycle emoji. They're the top three at the moment. Oh, that's nice. Wait, Man, people are a lot happier than I thought. I don't see people use the recycle emoji. I thought it would be like a face palm if there would be another. <laughs> That's at least my Twitter timeline. Yeah. Hmm, interesting idea to to put in your username and then it analyzes your timeline for the most and least used emoji. Is that is that what the Twitter account is doing? 
No, but it would be cool. Mm. I would like to know what my, the people I follow, what their most mm. used emojis are, and then kind of see whether my t- timeline is more negative than than average. Mm. Oh, wait, here. Yeah, so on Emojipedia, it is the most popular. I don't know what they're getting that from, but the most popular at the moment is the person shrugging. I think that's really good. And I made one of those earlier today. So I contributed to the most popular one. I think that's just um, by search. By search? Oh, so they search on the website for it? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Does that mean you're tweeting again, Marlon? No, I wrote this in our shared document. Oh, okay. I am tweeting sometimes. I wrote something like five days ago, right? Uh, pulling up your timeline, seven. See, that's that's very often in, in, <laughs> for, for me. What was what did I say? I'm ready for my first Canadian football game with a popcorn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. The popcorn. No, the game was really good. <laughs> So I don't know if you saw what Zach tweeted. You mean the, somehow Zach had a weird bug in his uh, WatchOS 5 where for sure. some reason his moved so weird. streak. So, so I thought when I read your tweet, I expected it to be that you... So I thought that you somehow managed to um, cheat the system or somehow work around the time zones. So if anyone ever traveled back from WWDC to Australia or New Zealand or probably parts of Asia... Uh, you will have a time zone gap, um, which causes you to basically lose a whole day. Um, so you're losing a whole day of your move goal or your movement streak. So if you're in the middle of a move streak, um, it's just going to end there because you can literally not fulfill that day. And Apple doesn't have rest days. Exactly. And that's why I thought um, when I saw that sack, when I saw that you had managed to keep your move streak i thought that you found a clever idea of like resetting your time zone when you came back or setting it back an hour by like every day and then you managed to get back to australia time without losing a day so how did you how did that happen i really don't know i did absolutely nothing fancy <laughs> nothing to try and hack the system uh, i just accepted that i was going to lose my move streak and got on with my life um the reason i hadn't noticed until now which is you know, almost six weeks after getting back is because I, while I had a streak going, it wasn't enough to trigger the, uh, oh, you've hit your longest move streak notifications every day. And then I think it was Thursday night when I closed the rings for that day, I got a, oh, your your move streak is now the longest it's ever been or whatever it is. And um, yeah, and then I decided to go back and look through my uh, history and it seems like I did actually close the rings every day in June or at least according to the activity app. Uh, and you would never know that I missed a day in the air. Um, the day that I should have missed, I have uh, three and a half thousand kilojoules burnt and 80 exercise minutes, which is absolutely not true because I was sitting on a plane. Uh, <laughs> there's no way I got even a single minute of exercise in because as soon as you land, your, your uh, time jumps forward a day. Uh, but oddly enough, I apparently did. Uh, the only thing I believe is the stand hours. Uh, pretty restless on the plane so you know probably did stand most hours but um yeah i don't know where that energy burnt and activity like exercise minutes where they're coming from i don't know where it's getting its data um i don't think it pulled from the previous or the next day because they're still pretty much right on what i'd expect um it's really weird yeah you you know last year i i spent half a day trying to figure out how to sheet 
cheater system because I really didn't want to use think, my 300 plus. I don't think it's cheating the system when it's something that the system didn't account for. Yeah, so maybe maybe this year there... Did you hear of anyone else that, that maintained their streak? Uh, I think I might have. So um, Andrew Harvey, I, I remember him tweeting at me that he, he didn't lose his streak. Uh, it would have either been this year when coming back or last year. I don't remember. Like he tweeted uh, it this year, but... I don't remember if he was referencing last year or this year. Um, I, I think I think he used the shrug emoji in that tweet, so he's probably not sure either. Um, I'm wondering if they're just like allowing There's a special code pass. If you were a WWDC attendee and you're flying back from from uh, San Jose to to Australia, just just duplicate the previous day. Just don't make people suffer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like, right? Um, it's it's really odd. Uh, I do remember sort of you mentioning uh, you try to hack the system. Uh, again, Pat Murray uh, last year, he built an app that was designed to uh, sort of act as a workout app and write data to HealthKit, like activity and, and exercise minutes, um, which he attempted to run on the plane to close his rings. Uh, from memory, he was successful in that the rings did close while he was on the plane, but when he landed and the time jumped forward, he lost the streak anyway. Um, so again, that was like half a day of his time gone into trying to beat the system and, and that was wasted. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Got lucky, but yeah, it's, it's pretty strange. Last year, somehow, um, I also figured out a way of, of having, like maintaining my streak with like setting back to time, uh, on my watch and then changing my move goal and then achieving the move goal and then kind of go multiple changes back to my actual time zone and then switching back to automatic uh, and some restarts in between. And initially it said, hey, uh, you, you maintained your streak. And I kept count, uh, got uh, additional notifications each day after that saying, hey, you meet your, you hit your move goal, your longest move streak. And I think three weeks after or so, for some reason, it just disappeared, and it considered it a new streak from that day when I. It did was fly. like, wait a second, you weren't actually in all those different time zones. You can adjust that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a watchOS uh, update that then fixed um, that bug, and I lost my, which was even worse because there was nothing I could do at that point because it was like two or three weeks after I was coming back. But I just uh, just saw now I actually have. As of today, I have 400 days of making my move goal every day. So nice. longest move streaks, 400 days. Congrats. Thank you. So that would be every day since coming back from DubDub last year? That, that is correct. Not bad. Not bad at um, all. I have 196 days. Not bad either. not great, but uh, it's, it's all right. I'm going to try to keep that now. Um, I think in the beginning... or. Often when I'd lost my move streak, it's been because I've been having a cold or been like really sick and couldn't really go out and t exercise or take longer walks. Uh, but what I did start doing now is to actually lower my move goal on those days. Um, I know it's not like I'm not feeling completely satisfied with that solution, but I also feel like it's healthier for me to actually take that day and rest if I'm if I'm sick. Um, so that's why I decided to just take it down um, to something reasonable that still sort of forced me to get out of bed and move around a little bit but I didn't want to get to that point of exhaustion that was unhealthy when you're when I'm having a cold um, and I think that works quite well now uh, so hopefully I will keep it for a bit longer it's getting late now I think we should wrap it up <laughs>
Good talking to you, Zach. Yeah, it's good talking to you both. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye, Zach. See you next week.